clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Simultaneous catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. Welcome into solo catch for the day. Josh Lapping is taking his bye week this week, feeling a little under the weather, but that's all right. We want to be rested and recharged for our Halloween special episode that we will be recording either on Halloween or the day after. So it'll be very exciting. So you guys will probably listen to it in the beginning of November. That's okay. That'll be very exciting. We'll have our unmasking segment we'll have our slashers and uh, a lot of fun things along with that but like i said it is just you and me today folks like i said josh on by sorry lost my place here with the rundown that's okay we've got plenty to get into heading into week eight of the nfl season some week seven reactions we still got pals picks josh and i are on a hot streak my friends we've been crushing it lately with pals picks and I'm trying to crop that leaderboard on the Run Your Pool um, uh, season pick for sure that we're running. But let's start with some friends' fortune reaction because I actually got mine correct. I don't know if you guys listened last week, and I was very excited to to tell Josh to saw to Tom afterwards. But my friend's fortune, for those of you who didn't listen, was that I believe that Mac Jones shouldn't be starting for the Patriots. I broke down numbers. And I said, I think it should be Bailey Zappi. And then I said, regardless of how it happens, whether Mac Jones gets benched or or he's not fully recovered yet and he gets re-injured, um, I said that Bailey Zappi would finish the game on Monday night. And he did. Bailey Zappi came in. And not only that, but Bailey Zappi came in on the first drive after Mac Jones was benched and went 3-of-3 three three for 30 yards and a touchdown immediately into the game. And then let a second touchdown drive right after that. I this Patriots team is fascinating. Now three and four, heading into a huge game against those upstart New York Jets this weekend. That'll be a fun game to watch. They are featured in Pals Picks as well. I I don't know how I feel about the Patriots. I was feeling very okay, well, that's the past. They're three and three after all this crazy quarterback stuff and injuries, running back position, wide receiver position. I just it, it seemed like Bill Belichick was going to put it all together, and again, they're still three and four, right? Plenty of time to make some comebacks here, but I think we'll learn a lot this weekend. I think it should be Bailey's Zappi going forward. We'll see what happens, but I did get friends' fortune correct regardless. So that's two on this year for me. I got one very early on, and got one uh, this week as well. So that's very exciting. 
let's get into some rant, rave, and recall. I have I actually, this is ironic. I had two of them prepared, and I was just gonna go based off of what Josh did. But since he's not here, I'm gonna do both of them. So my first is a recall. I'm gonna recall a division winner, and. So the, the Carolina Panthers and that young defense, which I said was going to be one of the reasons why they were good this year, showed up and shut down the Tampa Bay Bucks that weren't missing a lot of offensive players at all. And while Tampa Bay and Tom did miss on that deep bomb to Mike Evans early in the game, obviously Mike Evans dropped it. I, I am so sick of the people being like, if he catches that, it's totally different. I'm like, well, if he catches that, it's one touchdown. Like, they still made plenty of other mistakes and still could not move the ball against this young, uh, talented, and athletic Carolina defense. And then P.J. Walker played awesome. So, But I am not sticking with the Carolina Panthers, unfortunately. I don't think it's a recipe to last throughout the season. I'm not going to pick Tampa Bay either. I'm going to say the Atlanta Falcons are going to somehow find a way to get this done. I went through a season playoff predictor a handful of times in the last couple of days, and I really think the winner of this division is going to be eight or nine wins. I think they're going to be eight, nine, or nine and eight. And I think that team's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I know that they lost. Uh, I don't even want to say in ugly fashion because actually they ended up hanging in there at a little, a little bit longer than the final score would suggest. But Joe Burrow went nuclear, and Joe Burrow can do that against any team. I still think that this offense needs to work the passing game a little bit more for sure. Uh, they have weapons for it in Drake London and Kyle Pitts, respectively. But the big thing for me is that this run game is diverse. It's multiple. It's unique. And they're about to get Cordero Patterson back as well. Tyler Algier has gotten better every week. Caleb Huntley still presents that one-cut, go-all-the-way type of threat. And like I said, Cordero Patterson coming back, I think that's just going to make it even better. I like when they use Mariota more in the design runs, ergo the... You know, the, the, the speed option, right, when you're rolling out and you're going to pitch it or run it, or the read option, I think those are good um, play calls for Mariota. And that's obvious for a lot of people, for sure. But I, I just think they should do it more than they do. But I still believe that this offense is unique enough and it's built to last late in seasons when people are banged up, when people are injured, when people are tired and weary from the season, they can just run all over you. And they had incredible rush totals even in the loss. So I think if they can work the passing game a little bit more and once Cordero Patterson is back in the week or so, um, I just I think it'll the offense will continue to be good and this defense has pieces, right? So you know, like I said, I, I think that the game was a little bit closer because it was 21 nothing. but then Atlanta crawled its way back in, and then near the end of the game, they just weren't able to put it all together. But I don't think it was by virtue of them not being able to. I genuinely, after watching and re-watching the All-22 film, I genuinely think it's a matter of they just weren't calling the plays to try to go downfield. Now, maybe Arthur Smith knows something that we don't realize and knows that if they did that, it would be terrible. I don't know that. We've not seen Mariota throw really more than 20 passes almost all year in any game so I would like to see them attempt it a little bit more even if it's this quick game right we saw Matt Ryan who I'll talk about a little bit later we saw Matt Ryan two weeks ago throw 58 total passes and went for over 400 yards and three touchdowns doing the dink and dunk and hitting it down the field when it's available that I think that is available that's an option for this Falcons offense and I think they'll start to work that a little bit more and be diversified enough I think that again eight and nine nine and eight not a lot of wins guys so I think that's that's what wins this division, and I'm going to put not a lot of money, but I'm going to put some money on the Falcons for that. My second one is a rant, and this was a rant that 
started started to boil a little bit today and boil over in the last couple of hours. Elijah Moore, second-year wide receiver for the New York Jets, the really good New York Jets. You could really use a player like Elijah Moore, fully dedicated to the team, uh, has asked for a trade and was benched last week because of this. And Robert Sala kind of handled it very well, I thought. I really liked Robert Sala the whole way, but especially this year. I think he's shown a ton of incredible leadership and just command of this team, of this young team, really, to to push them to this 5-2 and two start. Elijah Moore posted a thing today because he's taken some flack for this, right? Quitting on your team, which, again, I have an opinion on that. And my opinion is definitely, like, listen, dude, you're a young receiver. This is your second year. You shouldn't be expecting to be targeted like a Jerry Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, right? You got to work your way up to that. And he's shown flashes, but he has not shown that I don't even want to say capability because I think he has the capability, but he has not shown that type of consistency quite yet. But then today he did something that just grinded my gears, folks. He posted this thing from, I believe, a daily devotional book, uh, which is a Christianity thing. Actually, I I think I don't don't know this. I'm going to play a little bit of ignorance here. I don't know if they do it for other religions, but I know that they have daily devotion uh, books for Christianity. And basically it's a reading and then... A, uh, a couple of passages from the Bible. And he posted a thing that was about facing persecution and how everything will be okay as long as you have Jesus. And first of all, this is not a religious podcast. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Jesus and Christianity. What I'm going to talk about is this bogus, nonsensical posting of, I'm protected because of this. No, dude, you still could be an idiot. You could still be selfish and you could still be making the wrong call here. I don't actually care if you're frustrated because I that's there's so many players in the NFL right now that are frustrated with their roles, but they're not on a five and two team, a young five and two team, a surprising young five and two team with a chance to actually build something meaningful and lasting for the first time in ages. For the first time since Mark Sanchez, some of you people listening to this probably don't even remember Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan in the early 2010 or late 2000s and early 2010s. But that was the last time this team was any really good, right? They had the one Jets year with Todd Bowles where they almost made it, but then Buffalo knocked him and Ryan Fitzpatrick out. That was the Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall year. But you have a chance to build something that can last for a long time here. And because you aren't getting enough targets, right, you're going to complain and moan and throw a tamper tantrum to get out. And then you're going to double down posting a daily devotional with a Bible quote about facing persecution. You're not being persecuted, Elijah Moore. Okay. I cannot stand that the people do this all the time in so many other ways. And again, I don't want to make this a religion thing, but posting about facing persecution from the Bible is so freaking far from facing persecution in your professional life, but certainly your professional life as related to a sport, right? To a game. All right. I am not going to belittle the amount of hard work it took and it takes for these professional athletes to perform, to perform at a level, to get to the NFL, right? That that all takes hard work. But I'm not going to sit here and not laugh and look at you a little bit silly, Elijah Moore, if you think you are being persecuted like Christians in the Bible were persecuted, by the way, who mostly were killed for their faith. 
because you're not getting enough targets in a New York Jet offense. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do it. So I think you need. You, you, obviously, you're listening to our podcast, right? So thanks for listening, Elijah. Really appreciate it. Um, but just be better, right? It's just just be better. This is a fun team. They're fun to watch. Their defense is awesome. Now it's it's unfortunate. We'll talk about the Brees Hall injury in a little bit, but it's unfortunate about the Brees Hall injury. injury Elijah Vera Tucker going down. These are all tough things. But the James Robinson's coming in. So I mean, like the, this is a team that can still end up making the playoffs, and make some hay as a young team, and you have a chance to be a part of something lasting. And because you aren't getting yours right. You're going to complain, and then you're going to name drop Jesus Christ. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Let's move to some news and notes. As I mentioned, let's get right into – actually, let's get right into both those things that I just mentioned. James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a fan favorite of the podcast, Josh and I, traded now that – Travis Etienne has sort of established himself in the backfield of Jacksonville. James Robinson traded to the New York Gents for a sixth-round pick, but it's a conditional sixth-round pick. So if J- if James Robinson ends up with more than, I think, 640 total yards or 600 total yard rushing yards, then it becomes a fifth-round pick. Now, he already has about 300 yards, so he does not need that many more rushing yards to hit this milestone. So I think that's actually probably a safe bet. So good trade for both sides, I think. I think with Brees Hall going down, you like having that multiple sets. Obviously, Brees Hall is, I think, a generational-type talent, right? I mean, we've seen this year uh, what generational backs can do right because we all know that the joke is running backs don't matter matter and really yes the offensive line matters far more in general than a running back but you got a guy like Saquon Barkley this year and Daniel Jones has not been spectacular Daniel Jones has done some good things for sure and using his legs is very is a deadly weapon no matter how awkward sometimes he is when he goes down but Daniel Jones has not been a world beater. This offense runs through Saquon Barkley, and you saw plays like he had this last weekend near the end of the game in the fourth quarter where he runs to the right on a simple zone run to the right off off the right guard in between the tackle and guard. Makes one jump cut, two jump cuts, spins right or zips up the middle, and then makes a third cut to the left to get extra yardage, and then just runs into guys. Like I mean, that's the type of play that can really change games. And obviously, Brees Hall, I think, is that type of back. James Robinson is not, but James Robinson is still a very good back. And you combine him with Michael Carter and a little sprinkle of Ty Johnson, I think you can uh, fill it in the aggregate, right? So I, I like the move for for New York and then of course Travis Etienne's your guy in Jacksonville and you've he's been coming on stronger and stronger the last couple of weeks and you've just decided hey we're good to go this is our guy uh let's get something for James Robinson and you'll probably end up with a fifth round pick so I like it for that and uh like I said unfortunate for a young player like Brees Hall who was all but certain to win rookie of the year uh, certainly offensive rookie of the year this year if he had stayed healthy, but it's tough, but it's not career-ending. Obviously, we saw Saquon have two massive injuries, and knock on wood, we want that, you know, we want him to be okay for the full year, but so far, it looks like he's fully back, and he's okay, and he's went through two massive surgeries and injuries, so Brees Hall, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you can get through it. Another trade, uh, Christian McCaffrey traded to the San Francisco 49ers. This was a wild one, guys. I... I was I don't want to say I was shocked right because we knew that he was being shopped around we knew Carolina was listening um listening to offers but not a single first round pick which I found interesting um I think that 
obviously he ended up playing uh, this past this past week, but and he looked good in some spurts. I mean, I think he only had four or five carries, a couple of catches. But the Panthers receive a twenty twenty three second round pick, third round pick, and fourth round pick, and then a fifth rounder in twenty twenty four. So a second, third, and a fourth, and a fifth. So I guess it's still a good. I, I, I should say this first. It's a great trade for both sides, right? Because Carolina is not going to contend this year or next year. They're looking to build up a bevy of picks so that they can control the board when a quarterback of their choice becomes available, right? That's the way you do it. That's the way we've seen all these teams recently do it, right? We saw it happen with Kansas City, and they are one of the better examples of you know still winning while you're building up your your picks to move around the board. But they moved up and got Mahomes, right? Uh, Allen and the Bills, right? With Buffalo, with McDermott and Bean, they built up their their picks so that they can move around, manipulate the board, going from twenty two to twenty one to twelve to seven, and then picking up Josh Allen, right? So we've seen that this is how this works, right? So. Carolina is just building up its its uh, war chest of picks, and San Francisco feels like they can contend, right? I mean, they were just in the NFC title game last year, and then a couple years removed from the Super Bowl. And again, I'd say what you want about Jimmy G, and I certainly am not a Jimmy G believer. Um, but I mean, they they think that they have what it takes, right? So, um, with Christian McCaffrey on board, I think it certainly becomes more viable. So, I like the trade for both sides. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, go go on about that too much. But I like the trade for both sides. Carolina gets up picks, and they ended up winning a, a really fun upset game. And then, of course, like I said, San Francisco's all in. They're ready to go. So uh, let's head into our Week Seven reactions here. Got three games I want to highlight. Maybe talk about a couple others. The first one is Packers at Commanders. Obviously, our resident Packers fan is not here. But, well, first of all, I wanted to give props to Taylor Heineke and P.J. Walker, two former XFL quarterbacks. Our friend Ian, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, sent a, sent me this, too, that P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke both starting XFL quarterbacks a few years ago and each got a win over Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady this week. I just think that's, that's a lot of fun. And this was a tough game to watch. I mean, um, the... Commander started off real sluggish. Heineke looked uh, looked slow. He looked like he was out of his depth and he was missing players, throwing balls behind guys, right, instead of leading them and not making the correct reads at times. And I even said to Josh at one point, I was like, ah, I think it's time for Sam Howell put the put the youngster in because, I mean, it's a uh, a young quarterback that we both really like coming out of the draft. And I was like, it's it's time. Like, this is, this is ugly. And then it just completely flipped, right? Heineke started making throw after throw. He was getting sidearm throws. He was moving around the pocket. He had a beautiful catch that had, according to the next gen stats, a 19% chance to be completed to Terry McLaurin. He finished the game. Taylor Heineke did 20 of 33 for 201 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. Obviously that one pick went for a pick six. So not the best game in the world, but got it done when he needed to. And I think that, some people are going to take the wrong lesson from this game, right? I I starting I, I started this by giving the props to Heineke, the props to McLaurin, and all that jazz, right? But it was the it was the defense man and the lack of offense from Green Bay, right? So multiple tack, tackles for a loss, right? They had like three pass breakups. The 
commander's defense did quarterback hit. Uh, I mean, they, they were really truly all over the field, but the Packers offense could not get anything done. Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 35, 194, two touchdowns, no picks, but he's got a QBR of under 50. And that's for a reason. And that's because it's just these quick passes, the short game, right? Because guys dropping the ball all over the place. I mean, uh, uh, Romeo Dobbs had four targets. I think all four of them were drops, right? Some of them down the field, right? Um, and every, almost every major player had a drop or two. You had Amari Rogers with a muffed uh, punt. I mean, it was just sloppy. And I am worried about this team now. And I, I, after the game, I had leaned over to Josh and I was like, "So what happens next week, right?" And he goes, "It's a loss." And here we are, three and five. And, and not knowing where to go. Now, this, the season is not over the Packers, guys, okay? The, the Packers still have a lot in the tank, I think. They have a lot of great defenders, and at times they flashed that this past week for sure. The pick six is one of the – one of the uh, Devondre Campbell made a great play and then got all the way into the end zone, right? So they still have players, young players too, and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, uh, Rashawn Gary, although he did leave the uh, – the field again this past weekend so we'll we'll monitor that injury as well but so I haven't given up on the Packers but I am very seriously worried now about this offense I do think they need to make a move because all these young players are are not performing right they're just not and Dubs has had some nice moments right uh he's caught a couple touchdowns passes this year Christian Watson <laughs> excuse me sorry guys uh Christian Watson uh, flashed a little bit too. Obviously, he had the big drop in the first game. Get some water here. Obviously, he had the big drop in the first game, but he came around and he worked on these, some of these end arounds and jet sweeps, and he scored a touchdown. So they're talented players. They are, but they're just not ready to be Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy. Lazard looks solid, but Lazard was injured and banged up. Tunyon is good, but Tunyon's... Tunyon's more of a, a safety net, right? He's not going to be your go-to guy, 10-plus targets every game. And, of course, I don't need to talk about it, Sammy Watkins, but Sammy Watkins is Sammy Watkins. I think they need a guy, whether it's OBJ or they make a trade for an Elijah Moore who I ranted about, right? W whatever it may be, I, I, I've heard for Denver for sure there might be a fire sale on Denver if they happen to lose to Jacksonville this weekend, right? So maybe Jerry Judy's on the block. Maybe Jerry Judy can go there. They need something. They need somebody that's a reliable weapon for Aaron. And I know the offensive line has struggled for sure. But the reality is, is that a lot of these plays that break down, Rodgers still finds a way to get the ball in a position where a play can be made and the wide receivers are just not making the play. Hence the reason Aaron Jones had two receiving touchdowns. So I, I, don't, I won't bemoan that game too much, but I think that's really the story there. So let's go to the Colts and the Titans. The Titans winning 19-10 to 10, all but really sealing up the division title there obviously it's still close and you know the Colts are still within distance here at 3-3-1 and one, heading into week eight but this was a tough one I Matt Ryan did not look comfortable Matt Ryan did not look good which is so weird after what had happened the previous week with his great game but Matt Ryan finished 33 of 44 243 a touchdown two interceptions he was sacked three times he had a fumble um 
It was rough to watch, guys. Paris Campbell, 10 catches, 70 yards. So he's being targeted 12 times in this game and all 10 of them behind the line of scrimmage, right? It's just not good. Michael Pittman, six catches, 58 yards, under 10 yards an average, right? Neem Hines, five catches, 41 yards, under 10 yards, right? Uh, Jonathan Taylor had seven receptions for 27 yards, right? It's just, it does not look good. And so... Of course, this is why they made the switch. They're going to go with, wow, it just totally left my mind, Sam Ellinger, uh, quarterback out of Texas, uh, a guy that I actually was really, in, I sh- I'm going to use the, the term intrigued by um, because I legitimately think that he's got some, uh, he's got some, some how, what's the word I want to look? I'm going to say moxie, but that feels like I'm a 1940s gangster. Um, but Sam Ellinger is uh, 24 years old, six foot three. Uh, this is his second year in the NFL. And uh, he did see some playing time in the preseason. He saw a little bit of playing time last year. Not a lot, just a couple of plays here or there. And most of them, I think he just had rushing attempts. Yes, that's correct. Um, but he's going to get his first career start. And uh, Josh and I talked about this briefly. We think this is more a move of, again, Matt Ryan did get injured. And that's part of this. But Frank Wright came out and said, this is for the season. We're going to go with Sam. And Nick Foles is going to be the backup. I think part of this is to say, hey, do, is this Sam Ellinger kid? Does he have something? Let's see. And I think this will make the offense more diverse. They have three, probably the bet, my favorite running back room in the NFL between Neem Hines, Jonathan Taylor, and this Deion Jackson, this young undrafted kid. I think the three of them together make probably the best trio in the NFL. And I I think that there's just so much that they can do. It's unfortunate that they played Tennessee twice and lost both, obviously, because now winning the division is tough. You have to win it outright. There cannot be a tie at all because that will be the first tiebreaker. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, the tie. This is where a tie actually might end up helping them because if they tie a number of wins, their win percentage actually will be a little bit higher because they didn't have uh, an extra loss. So this it's not completely over, but this is... Uh, an uphill battle that's a little bit steeper than more uphill battle. So, but yeah, this game was tough. The Titans now have swept the Colts for two straight seasons with their 19 to 10 win. Um, the Titans are, are, are really banged up though. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is now in a walking boot. So we'll see what happens with that. But it was just, like I said, it was an ugly game. They could not go down the field really at all. Um, and it was tough to watch, but uh, we'll follow that as we continue forward. But Sam Ellinger going to get his first first career start. Another game that I believe, yes, is featured in Pals Picks. So I'll talk about that shortly. I mentioned the Bucks and the Panthers game. This was just another ugly game, but it was a lot of fun. P.J. Walker was awesome. I mean, P.J. Walker had some throws in this game that were insanely good. And I... It's so interesting and sometimes confusing for players like this because when he was in the XFL, he looked awesome. It was him and Cardell Jones were the two best quarterbacks in the XFL for wasn't even going a full season. Now, XFL comes back in 2023. It should be fun. I'm actually excited for this. But P.J. Walker last week looked bad. I mean, there was it was just screen pass, screen pass, screen pass, slant, screen pass, right? And then they kind of opened the offense up a little bit this week. He was going downfield, and he was making some throws. He was moving around, right, manipulating the pocket, throwing on the run. I, I, it was very interesting to see two touchdowns, no picks, and it was just – I mean, it was fun to see a guy who 
has you know he's he's younger but he's been a journeyman in his young career like i said played in the xfl and to come in and and win this game and upset this 10 bay bucks team which has got loads of problems guys uh, newsflash for you like i said the 10 bay bucks are not that good and uh i might eat those words but i just don't see them doing anything but it was fun to see this young defense certainly get on them get on them as as well so uh other games to highlight, we, we already highlighted the Monday night game for sure. Um, that one, that was I didn't get to watch that whole game, but that was uh, that was that was fun to come home to and look at those highlights. But uh, let's take a look at the Giants versus the Jags. That wasn't that was a close game that came down to the wire. So the Giants stopped the Jaguars at the one yard line at the end of this game to win 23-17. They get to six and one. Uh, came down to the final play in the final few inches just before the goal line, right? Where Trevor Lawrence uh, did his best for sure. But a stat that I kind of wanted to highlight here is that the New York Giants uh, have now won. Uh, oh, shoot. Oh, the, their week eight game is the only game now with teams with winning records. Um, I, so them in Seattle. This is with a week with the Rams versus the Bucks, the Niners versus the Rams. Sorry, yeah. The 49ers versus the Rams, the Ravens versus the Bucks, and Buffalo versus Green Bay. All games that you would have thought would have been between teams with winning records. But no, they're not. It's just the 6-1 and one Giants versus the 4-3 and three Seattle Seahawks. Also in pass picks, so we'll get to that later. Um, so there's a stat about the Green, the Green Bay, the New York Giants that I wanted to highlight, and I can't find it on my page here. But I think the stat goes something like this. They are... All their games have been one possession this year, all seven, and they're six and one in those games. That's the first. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's the first time in NFL history that a team has gone six and one, and their first seven games have all been decided by one possession. They're just winning these close games, and this was going to be a cold read that I gave to Josh, and I think it's a fascinating thing to look at that. You have these teams that win these close games, and normally these teams are questioned, right? A lot of people are saying, well, they're winning all these close games, so we don't know if they're really that good. But then you have a team like Buffalo, who until the last couple of games this year against the Ravens and the Chiefs, people were saying, oh, well, they can't win the close ones. They can only win in blowouts. So do we really think they're a good team? And I find it so weird that... Like, I don't understand how you can have it both ways, right? If you have a team that's blowing people out, I can understand the the argument that, okay, maybe they're not seasoned enough, right? Maybe that they don't have the experience in close games, so we would question them in those games. I can understand that perspective. But then you have a team that's winning all these close games, and you're questioning them uh, whether or not they're good. But they have all this experience in close games, right? They're going to have good games where they win by more points, but now they have all of this experience on how to do the right things at the end of games to not lose and to close teams out, right? They, they, everybody's going to talk about it. it was on the one-yard line, but like, yeah, they made the tackle, right? They set it up. They had the perfect defense called. It was also, like, I don't think a bad decision by Lawrence. A lot of teams try to hit that guy on the seam, gets in a couple extra yards and a touchdown, but it was perfectly defended by the Giants because they're well-coached, they're athletic, and they have playmakers, right? So I think that it... I, I think my argument is that a win is a win in the NFL, and I know that this is a sports podcast, and I know that the sports media is all about just breaking it down, right? But 
I genuinely think that a win is a win no matter how you you slice it, right? Now, unless you're playing a team that doesn't have any players, they're all injured or they're, you know, like the worst team in the NFL, that's, that's one thing. But for the most part, especially this year in the NFL, uh, a year where so many teams are, are either good or at least decent, I don't care if you're winning by one point or a hundred points. I think a win is a win. And so I like both teams in this scenario, right? I like a Bills team that's able to blow a lot of team teams out, right? And I like a Giants team who's going to win all of these close games, right? They're not going to win all the close games, but knows how to, right? I trust them now in these games because I've seen Daniel Jones make plays with his feet. I've seen Daniel Jones make plays with his arm, and I've seen Saquon Barkley, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, make game-changing type of plays, right? And so... I really, really enjoyed this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. And the Giants have a very interesting contest coming up this week, like I said, against the the surprising Seattle Seahawks. And again, another Pals pick game, so I'll get to that. But just want to give some props, props to them as well. So let's move on. That was going to be my, my cold read. So let's just get right into Pals picks. Oh, yeah. That sucked. That was terrible. <sighs> I can't do this without Josh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So uh, Josh has the actual records. I don't have the records, but we're on a hot streak, guys. We we are winning a lot of these games. Um, so let's get let's get right into it. I'm gonna cover. Josh gave the games first this week, so I'm gonna go through his. Um, I'm gonna go through my games first, and then. And then I'll cover the games that he did. So first, he gave me Raiders at Saints. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders with this one. This is a very interesting game because this is two teams that I think are in totally different trajectories, right? So the Saints just lost a, a little bit of a shootout to the Cardinals on Thursday night, but they have no idea where they're going with their quarterback in terms of injury or who should start, who shouldn't start. They have lost some of these weird games near the end of it and just all kinds of things all over the place whereas I think the Raiders are finally figuring out what they are right Josh Jacobs has been sensational uh in the last you know three or four weeks for most of the season but a lot especially the last handful of weeks multiple touchdown games over 100 yards he's catched the ball on the backfield and then they still have Devontae Adams Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller was injured but Darren Waller would be back too Derek Carr's doing his thing and Max Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL right now so I I just I like a lot of what the Raiders are doing and I said that I was going to consider picking the Raiders to win the division I don't think that they will and I didn't pick them either but I still believe this is a playoff team I still do and so I'm gonna ride with the Raiders here I think they continue this little win streak going on here um and I think in a couple weeks the Raiders could end up being five or six wins and we're like oh wait yeah the Raiders they were a good team this whole time because I think they were so let's go to game number two the Commanders versus the Colts so we've got the Hein Taylor Heineke led Washington Commanders versus the Sam Ellinger led Indianapolis Colts the matchup we all thought was going to happen to start the year if we're being honest um so this one's tough for me because i want to i want to pick the colts right i want to say that sam elegant is going to be good sam elegant is going to be able to elevate the offense just enough in terms of he's got this mobility he was a, a dual threat quarterback in texas they used him a lot of options and quarterback powers he's got wheels right and so I want to say that he's going to be able to do that and then by virtue of that find more lanes down the field, a thing that Matt Ryan hasn't really done a lot this year. I want to say that, 
but I also just really like what I saw from Heineke near the end of the first first half and especially later in that in in the second half from Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. So this one's kind of a toss-up for me. I'm going to go with the Colts, though. I still believe in this bevy of backs. Like I said, I think they're the best trio in the NFL. And I think Sam Ellinger is going to surprise some people. Because I think that there's nothing that Matt Ryan has done this year that I don't believe Sam Ellinger can already do, right? Because Matt Ryan hasn't done a lot. There's been a handful of passes that Ryan has thrown that I've said, that's the Matt Ryan I believe in. And this is funny because obviously I made the bet about Matt Ryan. But I was seeing those throws and saying, I think that eventually that will become the norm again once he becomes comfortable in the system and with these people, right? And it just never happened. It happened for one game, I think, right? And then he was terrible last week and also insult to injury, injury to insult, if you will. So I think that what he's done so far, Sam Ellinger can emulate very easily, right? These short intermediate throws that get guys in space and hopefully with run after catch, but then he can add that extra element of, I know we jokingly say Matty Wheels, but Matt Ryan is not a mobile quarterback. Sam Ellinger is, and I'm just going to bet on that uh, more than I'm going to bet on Taylor Heineke, who we've really seen struggle at times, right? We haven't seen anything from Ellinger yet, so I'm going to bet on the unknown. So I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts in this one. Last but not least, we have the, like I said, aforementioned only game between two winning teams this year. Like everybody predicted it, the New York Giants 6-1 and against the 4-3 and Seattle Seahawks. This should be a lot of fun. Because Geno Smith has really surprised. And Daniel Jones, like I said, Daniel Jones has not been a world beater, right? I'm not picking Daniel Jones in the top whatever number of quarterbacks, right? But he's been good enough to win these games. And and that's what matters. And they're 6-1. And, and they're going to face this 4-3 uh, and three Seattle Seahawks team. I'm trying to pull up some stats here. Excuse me. On uh, Geno Smith versus Daniel Jones. But... This is a tough game to pick for many reasons. And again, I'm just complimenting Josh's picking skills. Uh, it's in Seattle. It's a 425 start on Fox. Geno Smith this year, uh, 1,712 yards, 11 touchdowns, only three picks, right? So he's having the, the far better year than Daniel Jones. Um, rushing yards, we've got the crazy good young rookie who now is probably at the lead for rookie of the year, especially by virtue of his first three games here. 67 carries, 411 yards, four touchdowns so far this year for Kenneth Walker, or for Ken Walker the third. I think that says the third. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Can't read. Uh, and then Saquon Barkley, of course, has uh, 726 rushing yards and four touchdowns this year. So he already almost has 1,000 yards, and we're not even fully midway through the season yet, so that's fun. Um I think this boils down to which defense can play make better. And while Seattle, according to ESPN's analytics, has a 57.9% chance to win, I am going to go with the New York Giants in this one. I just think that Saquon will make enough plays to match Ken Walker and Judo Smith offense. I think missing DK Metcalf is going to matter. Um, and then I just I believe in that Giant defense to make more plays than I do in the Seahawks defense. So I'm going to go with the Giants in that one. Uh, so to recap, I went the Raiders and the Giants both on the road against the Saints and Seahawks respectively. And then I took the home team, the Indianapolis Colts to right the ship behind new starting quarterback Sam 
Ellinger. Let's get into the picks that I gave Josh. So I gave Josh Cardinals at Vikings. My theory behind this game was, again, my theory, and I think I've said this on the show before, is give Josh games that I don't know how to pick. I want to pick the Cardinals in this game, right? I haven't done my picks yet, but the 5-1 and one Minnesota Vikings gets a 3-4 and four Cardinals. It feels like easy, right? Pick the pick the the Vikings, right? They've got Dalvin Cook, who's got about 500 yards and four touchdowns, and Jefferson almost 700 receiving yards, right? And he's had a bye week, right? He hasn't even played in seven games yet. Um, but I like a lot of what Kyler Murray has done recently. You know, Benjamin's been pretty fun. Uh, obviously, they're missing Hollywood because he's injured, but DeAndre Hopkins came back and had a boatload of catches and looked really good. Obviously, they're working Robbie Anderson in. Zach Ertz has been very good. I, I just think that this is about to be an Arizona run, and so I gave it to Josh thinking he would pick the Vikings, which he did. So he's going with Vikings and the Kirk Cousins-led um, Minnesota team, which is interesting. I, I understand why, but like I said, I, I have an inkling that this is about to be a little bit of an Arizona run, and if it is, then I pick the right game to trip him up. Second game, I gave the Patriots at the Jets, so the 5-2 and two Jets hosting the 3-4 and four Patriots, just like we all saw it, right, guys? Uh, this is why the NFL is so fun. Uh, this is a 1 o'clock game. The ESPN Analytics gives, actually, New England a 50.3% chance to win. Um, so, like I said, Brees Hall out. Elijah Moore checked out. So this is tough, right? Um, I think that a lot of the injuries and the question marks for the Jets would make people lean the Patriots, which is where Josh went. He does go Patriots. Reminder, Stevens is come on strong. We'll monitor the quarterback situation, right? Because I actually don't know where they're going to go. Again, I think that they should be going with Bailey Zappi, but maybe they'll put Mac Jones back out there. I don't know. Um, but right now, points per game, pretty similar. Uh, 22.1 for New England, 22.7 for the Jets. Uh, points allowed, 19, so under 20 for the Jets, and, and 20.9 just over uh, for the Patriots. So th I think these are two decently matched teams. What I'm going to do, though, is I, I would probably have leaned towards the Jets, but there's a reason why I'm not picking it, um, and Josh went with the Patriots. So, again, this is the games that I didn't want to pick. I didn't want to have a part of that. Last but not least, I did give Josh 49ers at Rams because I love to pick on his hatred for the Rams, and uh, his comment was the 49ers as much as I would prefer the Rams. Um, so he's going to go 49ers in this one. This is going to be another interesting game. Enough time for McCaffrey really to get almost fully in, in, um, involved in this offense. This is another 430 start. Uh, ESPN Analytics gives San Francisco 53.2% uh, percent chance to win. So this is, you know, uh, Matt Stafford does have eight interceptions on the year, which is second in the NFL behind, you guessed it, Matt Ryan, who leads the league with nine interceptions so far. But uh, so Stafford does have eight interceptions. He's not looked like the Stafford of old. Cooper Cup, of course, though, 56 receptions, four touchdowns still. Uh, Brandon Ayuk coming on, actually, for the 49ers, so that'll be interesting to follow. Um, Jason Veray, cornerback for the 49ers, has already been ruled out. Uh, Trevon Howard, a linebacker for the Rams, has already been ruled out, so there's some questionable people as well. Obviously, Cam Akers. So I, this one's just hard to pick, and I think that Josh probably got this one right with the 49ers. I just think this offense is going to get better and better. I do think it was really fun. Uh, I saw somebody tweet this out. They were like, oh, man, I can't wait for the formation where Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel both line up together for a six-screen pass to Kyle Juszczyk. I think that's very funny. 
Uh, yep. So there's the picks for Josh. Just to recap, he went Patriots on the road against the Jets. He went 49ers on the road against the Rams. And he went the Vikings at home against the Cardinals. That was Palace Picks, sponsored by Acetaminophen, because Josh isn't feeling well. So hopefully he took some. All right, so we don't have cold reads. Let's do some Fantasy Corner. God, uh, you know, this should be a singing podcast. I'm so good, guys. Uh, so Fantasy Corner, it's harrowing, my friends. We we are in a tough spot in our Nathan Peterman fan, fan club league. Uh, we are 7-7, seven seven, so we lost, but we did hit the median last week. Uh, just barely, I think. Let me double check this. Yeah, yeah, the median was 108, and we scored 115. So we're in a tough spot, though, with Justin Herbert on by, DK Metcalf out, Mike Williams on by, but also out. Um, we do get Stefan Diggs back, which is nice. Um, uh, yeah, this is hard. We're, we're going to have to make some some tough decisions here uh, for this team because we also have Alan Lazard, but he came out of that game questionable. We have Chuba Hubbard, right? We picked him up. Super happy we did. He's questionable, right? So we have got some moves to make, but we still have Najee Harris, who's been a little bit better. We have Raheem Mostert, who's uh, kind of become the lead back in that that Miami backfield. Uh, so that's nice. Like I said, we got Diggs back. We still have Hawkinson, inconsistent but still good, and we've got Damian Pierce, right? So we we've got we've got players, right? We've got options, but we're gonna have to hit on a pickup or something here, especially because we're also gonna have to stream a quarterback. Uh, I will say this. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm having to stream quarterbacks in a lot of leagues because I did the whole Trey Lance thing, as I told you guys, and that obviously didn't turn out very well for me. Uh, but I am I am looking at guys like Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence, guys that have been pretty good this year so far, um, especially in terms of fantasy because they've both been running the football as well. Obviously, running quarterbacks are more valuable because you're scoring in two categories versus one. Um, so those are some guys that I am looking at this week. Uh, I was wrong about this week for Taekwon Thornton, obviously, like I said at the end of last episode, but I still think he's valuable going forward, um, especially if Bailey Zabby plays. I think Zabby likes to throw to him a little bit better than uh, Mac Jones does. We've seen that obviously a lot, though. When younger players come in, they don't play with the first team right off the bat. So early on in the preseason and the offseason, uh, Jones probably wasn't throwing to Thornton as much, and Zappy was, and then eventually, you know, it comes along that way. Also, they have that rookie mini camp connection as well. So, but in terms of streaming quarterbacks, Josh and I are going to have to find somebody. Like I said, I'm looking at Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence in some leagues. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I need some water. <clears throat> so we'll we'll monitor that. But seven and seven, we're in a playoff spot currently, so it's not. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not over, right? There's still plenty of time left in the season, um, and we can ride the ship. We can get our guys healthy and and be back strong. But I think the thing that'll help us is that our top guys will have already had their bye weeks, right? Uh, Damian Pierce has already had his bye week now. Stefan Diggs has already had his bye week now, right? Done. We can start them the rest of the year. Um, and then obviously we'll monitor the Mike Williams injury. But Justin Herbert's on bye this week. Then he's gonna be done. So we'll have our 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 quarterback. Um, one of our top running backs and our top receiver all done with their bye weeks early on, right? So we don't have to worry about that later. Uh, so I think that's going to be helpful for sure. Um, but we'll monitor that as we go. All right. That was Fantasy Corner sponsored by, let's say, also Acetaminophen because it stresses me out. 
All right, so I th we're going to round out with some friend's fortune and some tidbits here. So let's do the tidbits first, and then I'll end with the friend's fortune. Uh, so some things that I missed during the episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number one, there's only one player in NFL history that has had two games with 500-plus total yards and four total touchdowns, and that player is Joseph Burrow. Yes, Joe Burrow had f over 500 total yards passing and rushing and over four total touchdowns passing and rushing this past week. He is the only player in NFL history to have two such games, which is I thought was crazy, but kind of awesome at the same time. A Todd Gurley, former Georgia and Los Angeles Ram and Atlanta Falcon running back, officially retired from the NFL. Uh, he's the same age as starting running back for the Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. He's only one year younger than starting running back for the Denver Broncos, Melvin Gordon. And he's two years younger than starting running back for the Miami Dolphins, Raheem Mostert. Just a sad, sad end to a career. I mean, one of the most exciting players ever in NFL history. For such a short period of time, he played a total of six seasons in the NFL. And when he was with the Rams, he was electric, man. Him and Sean McVay were so much fun. And then they reached the, the Super Bowl, and he wasn't used a lot in the Super Bowl. And that was kind of the end of it, right? And then he went to Atlanta, and he had this year with Atlanta where he had like nine rushing touchdowns. Or actually, I think he had over 10 touchdown, total touchdowns. So he was like not a big play guy, but you got him in the red zone. He was able to score still. He had that weird, uncanny ability to find the end zone. And then he calls it quits, man. I, I just this the degenerative disease in his knees. I don't know what it is, but it's tough when you see players like that and their careers ended early. We, we Josh and I have often talked about what would have happened to the career of a of a guy like Robert Griffin III, who also had injury issues. But certainly uh, Todd Gurley, uh, for the six years that we had him, certainly the four and a half maybe five that were you know peak Todd Gurley years what what a joy to watch and was in one of the best games we've ever watched that Monday night matchup between the the Chiefs and the and the Rams that was a lot of fun so Todd Gurley officially retired from the NFL I got two more tidbits for you so we have top three teams in terms of defensive EPA and offensive EPA for people who do not know what EPA is it's expected points added so analytics this is an analytics number and obviously they take passes and rushes and they find out which types of plays lead to more points versus ones that don't and then each play gets generated a number for expected amount of points added right um pretty simple i don't i don't want to try to over explain that one but basically the top three teams for defensive expected points added so these are the top three best defense in terms of epa per play the buffalo bills and the dallas cowboys are one and two so it's like yeah those are two of if not the two best defense of the nfl right now third is the denver broncos this is why i find it so fascinating and even more unacceptable that denver has been so bad because if their quarterback play could just be okay they would probably be one of the best teams in the nfl right now because their defense is playing as a top three defense uh honorable mention at number four actually the philadelphia eagles so that was pretty fun uh top three in offensive epa per play are the kansas city chiefs obviously and the buffalo bills obviously two of if not the two best offense of the nfl number three the philadelphia eagles so uh if you if you're questioning the six and oh start that's fine but they're in the top 
104 for offensive and defensive EPA for the Philadelphia Eagles. And while Buffalo, uh, people have their theories of obviously like the the, the best uh, regular season teams don't often win in the postseason or the, the postseason rematches normally go to the losers. And Buffalo has wins over three of the top four teams right now in the AFC. So... But both teams are in the top three uh, for defensive and offensive EPA, which I find interesting and notable. Um, last but not least, a tidbit. This one's for my pal. Uh, Uchenna Nwosu leads the league in quarterback pressures with 31. So Nwosu is a guy that uh, we normally do uh, division by division breakdowns. We didn't have the time to do that this year with my big move and stuff going on with the theater. Josh was doing Little Shop of Horrors, um, so we didn't have as much time as we would like. But Nichetta, Uchenna Nuosu, excuse me, is a pass rusher for the Seattle Seahawks, and he was a player that Josh was like, this is going to be a guy. He's going to be a breakout. He now leads the league with 31 quarterback pressures with a career-high 11 last week. He pressured the quarterback 11 times, so he's number one. The rest of the top five, Miles Garrett with 30, Micah Parsons with 30, Carl Lawson of the Jets with 29, and then, of course, Trey Henderson with 28. So some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Incheta Nuosu is number one on that list. You're crushing it, my guy. All right, so we're, I'm on a hot streak for Friends Fortune because I've gotten one, and I've gotten two in the first half of the season. So this is pretty freaking amazing for me. So let's hit another Friends Fortune here. I'm going to say right now uh, Aaron Rodgers is giving 10.5 points to the Buffalo Bills. Um or, or the Bills are giving Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers 10.5 points in Buffalo. So Aaron Rodgers has never been a 10-point underdog in his entire career. I think my French Fortune is going to say that this is going to be not only the highest-scoring game, but the closest game all weekend. I think this game is going to end up being a 1-3-point to three point game, and that A, not only, not, not only will no other game be that close of a margin— but it, this will also be the combined highest scoring game in the NFL. I think that Rodgers does really well when people doubt him. Ergo, they all thought he was washed and then won two straight MVPs, right? Um, so I think they're going to figure something out this week. I think that they're going to score a lot of points. And I think Buffalo coming off the bye is also going to score a lot of points. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring, fun game. It's going to end. It's going to come down to the wire. Uh, I think I'll probably lean the Bills, but I'm not going to be surprised if this is a Green Bay, like, we're not losing this game kind of game because that's Aaron Rodgers does that, right? Um, so that is going to be my friend's fortune. And that's going to be the episode, guys. Like I said, without Josh, this episode was just you and me. Josh's on his bye week. He's resting right now. Um, but next week, we'll be back at it together with our Halloween-themed episode. We will unmask some teams. We'll slash some teams that you might be holding out hope for. Uh, and we'll have some fun with all of our silly little Halloween jokes. So uh, thank you for listening to Simultaneous slash Solo Catch. Guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Simultcatch. On Instagram, which is just Simultaneous Catch, you can probably not still enter the the pick and pull you're probably way too far behind now but if you're listening and you forgot and you missed a week or you missed a couple games um a if you keep track of it i've been very nice i will fix some of those for you if you just send me a text i can easily fix it i trust you guys um but b if you've missed a week you could still catch up right because the numbers are still all over the place a lot of us are doing not that great um but that is uh, still available to you the winner Team apparel of your choice. Right now, it's going to be Josh or Mike. Or if I make a 
crazy comeback. Uh, again, thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, guys. We appreciate you very much. God bless.